The Standing Orders Podcast. Welcome to this latest edition of the Standing Orders Podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, Councillor Sue Lorne. Good afternoon, Thomas. How are you this fine afternoon? I'm very well, Councillor, and how are you? Fine, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to the next four weeks when the days will start to get longer again. You know, I, I was about to say, are you now looking forward to the run into Christmas? And you literally predict that's how good we've become in speaking once a week. <laughs> you know me so well. Yes, I am. I'm so looking forward to the running up to Christmas. It's But it's going just a tad too quickly. If it could slow down, just give me an extra week and I'd be happy. And we're, of course, on the countdown to the Christmas light switch on, which happens, uh, well, from when we're recording this, it happens in, what, five days' time? Yes, Sunday the 27th. And, um, yes, it's, it's, it's good. We've got it. Uh, we've got everything back to normal. So we're pre-COVID um, for the entertainment for the food stalls and um and hopefully for the crowds as well yeah the covid entertainment wasn't wasn't quite as good as the uh the post covid entertainment will be and i think it's just still i think everyone's still adjusting to getting kind of together again seeing crowds again and i think some people will still be um perhaps a little cautious um, and rightly so because, you know, numbers pick up and they drop off. And if you're, uh, if you're vulnerable, you know, it doesn't really go away, but I think mm-hmm. it's nice for everyone to be able to come and enjoy traditional crafts and traditional food and drink and a bit of traditional entertainment. And I will say just as a bit of a spoiler, I will be dressed in an inflatable nutcracker outfit doing carols. So <laughs> just watch this space for the photos. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> Will you be I think dressed like a toy soldier? Yeah, it's a nine foot tall inflatable nutcracker outfit. So I am assuming I'll look resplendent in my uh, in my nutcracker uniform. So let me guess, who managed to get you into that uniform? It wasn't Debbie by any chance. I think there may have been some convincing undertaking that actually I think there will be a snowman. And I think that there will be uh, another surprise Christmas character. Um, And I was going to go for Santa, but then I thought, you know, the kids will have enough of Santa. And so a Nutcracker will certainly be a welcome addition. So the Nutcracker it was. Can't wait to see that. Me neither. Um, And so, yeah, we we then kind of go across and we're uh, we're doing the firework display at the end of the event and the lights will go on. Santa will arrive, I think, this year once again by police boat. Yes, he's easy. He'll come along the river um, on the Broads Beat, which is um, which is very good. And we're very grateful to them. Uh, they did this before lockdown for us, and um, and it went down a, a storm. So let's not not literally. So uh, let's hope that uh, it has the same effect. It's you know it's just so magical for the little ones. We're really lucky. We've got the water, we've got the river, and we we utilise it. And for the children to see that because they they put all the decorations on the boat and it's all lit up, and to see this boat coming out of the darkness and. And there's uh, Father Christmas on it, which is uh, which is fantastic. So, can I just say, as someone who is involved in the management of waterways, having a river isn't all it cracked up to be. Genuinely, no. 
waterways aren't a lot of fun to manage. Going on the water, great. Santa arriving by river, fantastic. But generally, water, not for me. No, it's just making sure that the boat can actually get through that water, isn't it, Thomas? It is, absolutely. And and at least picking this, up I a think... lot of awful stuff on the way. <laughs> I think this year the, the police uh, are bringing their inflatable boats so that they can get under the restrictive bridges at each end of the uh, of the council park. So um, I think they're coming by inflatable. And I think that uh, our celebrity guest, light switch honour, uh, Ian Dale, will be, um, will be coming with Santa on the boat. And sorry, was that a secret? No, 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 I don't think so. Well, Ian doesn't know about it yet, so he might be, yeah, he might be pleasantly surprised to realise he's coming along on a, on a, a police boat. But yes, um, a, Piece, a police inflatable, so um, so that would be a nice, uh, gentle. I, I always think up. that when you come into um, when you come into a Christmas light switch on, and you see kind of the locum CEO dressed as a nine foot inflatable nutcracker, <laughs> um, with a deputy dressed as a massive eight foot tall snowman, uh, piling you onto an inflatable police boat to escort a scout Santa <laughs> to a switch on before he goes and sits in the ruin of a church handing out Haribo, followed by that nine-foot-tall inflatable nutcracker and the town mayor setting off fireworks in a nature reserve. It is a really unusual um, Christmas light event. Yeah, it's, it's certainly unique. I can't imagine for one second that uh, Mr Dale will have ever encountered anything like it. No, and I can't wait to hear his podcast. Before Thorpe, um, I hadn't experienced anything like it, but (laughs) I think it's the energy of the officers and members that make it a very special occasion. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It is. I promise you, it is something totally unique that you will not find anywhere else in the country. It's, um, and you know, I was, I, I'm I'm sure you're aware that uh, Radio Norfolk have asked. um, uh, one of us to uh, to have a word about the Christmas light switch on on Saturday morning, and I was thinking about you know how this all started, and I think we've said it before on another uh, on another podcast that uh, you know it started something really really simple, just a string of lights and a Christmas tree, and um, and now um, how we've evolved over the past. 12, 13 years is is just absolutely incredible. And we always seem to come up with these <laughs> these amazing ideas that um that you just couldn't possibly pull out of um pull out of a hat if we tried. So no, it'll be it'll be good. And we can discuss next week just how successful it really was. No, you can't pull them out of a hat, but you can pull them out of thin air, which I think is where all the good ideas come from that we uh, that we have. But it is a no, it is really nice, uh, a special event, and I think it, you know brings thousands of people in. And from ten thousand people at the firework display, we're likely to get you know somewhere over the course of the event close to that again. I suspect because That's it's my such worry. a well. Because <laughs> it's such a well thought of kind of event, and so it will be, I'm sure, uh, something that we'll be able to to reflect on. And so that has taken up, I think, a lot of my week, and I suspect your week. And so what we thought we would do for this edition of the podcast is just to talk about generally, kind of how our week has been and what the normal week 
um, for a counsellor and, uh, and in my case, a, a locum uh, is. Although I will say that uh, I don't think any two weeks are alike in local councils at all. There is such variety at this level of uh, local authority that generally you can never really predict what you'll be doing the following week. No, you can't. Uh, other than, you know, you know that the the meetings are in place. Um, as you know, with the town council, for all of us, it's um, most Monday nights, there's, there's a meeting of some kind. So, um, so you can guarantee Monday evenings will we'll be out there somewhere. But yes, it is, it's, it's, it's a full week, um, but more so for you. Um, I just come along once you've sorted everything out, like the meetings and the events and, um, and then we everything. have a discussion. Sorry. <laughs> Change everything. You come along after we've arranged the events. And <laughs> That's not fair. And That's not fair. Change everything. <laughs> no, I was just saying we come along, we have a discussion, discussion, agree with everything that you've you've planned or what you've said. But this is the and, and this is what's what's so different with um, your your role as opposed to a councillor's role. You're the one that's bringing everything to the meetings, you know, if it's a full council meeting, you're the one that's putting the agenda together. You're the one that's bringing all the paperwork. Um, if it's a planning with you, the the girls in the office, every the applications are all uploaded. Um, everything is looked into. Once we've had those meetings, you then have to go away and take the minutes and and you know get those all in place. So it's it's never ending for you. Um, well, is, I, can I mean, go we- to the meeting. We, we do go through kind of cycles and it is peaks and troughs. Although everyone, I remember when I worked at Cardiff, everyone used to say that August is a good month because August is one of those months where, uh, you know, meetings often get cancelled, nothing really happens and everything's okay. And I've never found at town and parish level that August is a quiet month. I don't find any of the months kind no. of quiet. There is always something that will come up, that will keep you busy. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where you say, you know, you prepare the agendas, you prepare the papers, you get the minutes, you get the payments lists, you get the bank recs, you get everything sorted. And all those decisions that are made at meetings, and I'm always keen that we only put stuff on the agenda for a decision and we defer really. And in fact, I don't remember actually ever deferring a decision um, for more information, because we like to front load the information yeah. to members, because I'd like them to be decisive meetings. But obviously, once those decisions are made, it then adds to the standard workload that we that we do. And so, you know, that cycle then picks up because, you know, we, we have a lot of things to, to keep going and to keep momentum on. And you just have to keep pushing forward on it. And like you say, you know, it's sometimes as much as anything else, it's really handy because it's such a varied role, do you just remember little bits and pieces? And, and like you'll remember from uh, the planning meeting um, from just over a week ago, um, where we looked at uh, quite a few different applications. And there was one for uh, non-illuminated uh, sponsorship signs on a roundabout that we maintain on behalf of highways. Yes. And when we were there, you know, I said, I'm pretty sure the district can't actually give permission for this because I understand that the uh, the roundabout is within an area of special control, which means that they can't give permission. And so trailing back through emails and getting the information together, um, it turned out we were right. And so we passed that comment across. 
the application's been withdrawn and Excellent. it won't be coming back because it's within the area of special um, control. But, you know, it's one of those things that because we're so intimately involved in these things, um, we probably pick up on some stuff and it's just that kind of officer memory that keeps things kind of clicking along that you wouldn't otherwise get. Yeah, and you know, that's that's where we're lucky um, that we've that we've that you've been here for as long as we've been here, and um, and again, is you know if that had been if that had been next May and there's a new council, and um, you know it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily have been brought to to your attention or to the um, to the district's attention that you know they didn't have the right to de- decide if there should be any advertising boards on there and it probably would have gone ahead so that's where you know sometimes um is is really important that we have that um you know that knowledge in in the council and it would be quite sad uh, that if we lost it all well, I, I think, you know, the elections coming up always focus focus the mind. And I think, like I said last time, as officers, you don't find anyone kind of thinking, oh, well, you know, it'll be really yes. sad if we lose this person or, or it'll be really good if we keep this person because we'll work with anyone. But I think you're right. The, it's so important to try and retain organisational memory. And a lot of people think, you know, organizational memory at times is a bad thing because you get, especially in big authorities, you kind of get that middle management block where, you know, the changes that are trying to be made strategically just don't filter down to the ground kind of, you know, the people basically out on the streets, on the parks, um, who are kind of working as operatives. It, It doesn't quite get there. And so that middle management block is really difficult. And so getting rid of that organisational memory can sometimes really speed up um, change in local government. Whereas I think at this level, it's really important to keep that organisational memory because actually nine times out of 10, it can stop issues becoming issues kind of way, way in advance. But, Hmm. you know, it's just one of those little kind of things that I think kind of comes along um, every once in a while that it's really kind of good to have, as you say, experienced officers um, there. But otherwise, you know, we've been preparing for the Christmas night switch on. We've been dealing with, you know, allotments as something that never dies off. I think, you know, someone once said allotments account for something like 1% of your precept and take up 80% of your time. And I've never known something so true said about yeah. local government yeah. as that because they are just constant. And, and you know, sometimes positive probably eight times out of 10, not so positive. Uh, yeah. four, four out of those uh, times, probably extremely negative. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, you just play one kind of But this is the thing, but- and, and really, you know, it really should not be that complicated. It's, you, you know, you, you've divided a piece of land in, into sections. For tw- is it £25 a year somebody rents that piece Something of like land? Something like that, yeah. And all they have to do is maintain it, grow what they want on it, but well, within reason, and um, you know, and and just maintain it. It should not be so complicated. But you're right; it takes up more time, probably more time than all the meetings throughout the year put together. Yeah, it does. And and I think you know, you're you're right. It isn't just about the subdivision of uh, of land, though. It's subdivision of land, and then you have a neighbour. And I think the fact that when you have an individual on a plot of land, it works perfectly. But when they have other people, um, and it turns into a bit of a community, you will always get very differing kind of views. And so ultimately, as landlord, um, 
you know, you, you, you sometimes have to, you know, make decisions. You sometimes have to yeah. mediate between parties and it all takes time. And, and mm-hmm. so it's one of those kind of general things that I think will always be there and always, no yeah. matter what time of year it is. Yeah, I guess it's just a small community, isn't it? And and you're you're dealing with many different, um, you know, um, attitudes really. And so I think maybe what the solution is build a wall around them. Yeah, that that seems to be a political kind of uh, drive in every area possible. <laughs> build the wall. So just build, just build a wall. And, God, uh, and last then... time you were like John Major, this time you're like Donald Trump. You really are going places, aren't you? Yeah, I think that's coming down and down and down. <laughs> but um, but but we pick ourselves up and we start all over again. So um, but yes uh, yeah. So there's the allotments and um, and and all these things. You're still and unfortunately because we we have the fireworks and we have the Christmas switch light switch on. You're trying to organise the events whilst you're doing all the routine work. Absolutely. Which is um, which is a lot of pressure. Pressure. You know the the good well thing is though, yeah, it, it is, and I think because you can, I mean, Christmas is always a bit funny in uh, in Thorpe because when Norwich is in the Premier League, obviously it, it's more difficult to plan around uh, fixtures. But because we hold it on a on a main road, we close the road, we have a big street party almost for Christmas. You know, we can't close the road if there's a Norwich City match on because it would cause mayhem in the city in people trying to uh, trying to escape uh, Cower Road. So it then, you know, means that we can't necessarily always plan uh, for until we get the fixtures in. But obviously keeping November 5th to November 5th and if we do a St. George's Day, keeping that to the nearest Sunday to St. George's Day, you know, these things always mean that once it's in the calendar, you can work towards a kind of a set day yes. planning. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, as soon as we finish the event, we start planning next year's event. Yeah. So, you know, we don't have that kind of massive rush three weeks before to think, blimey, we need to try and get everything in place. Um, and obviously the coronation next year will be a kind of prime example of it. But I have to I have to say my week has also been taken up with doing uh, some work for, you know, another council. And it's because the subject is close to my heart that I'll mention it, which is closed churchyards, which, as you know, oh, yes. in Thorpe, we have had some issues with uh, previously, and I'm now doing work elsewhere, who shall remain nameless, um, on basically the transfer of responsibility under a uh, Section 215 notice, which we successfully resisted. Um, I think it was probably was it five years ago that we had that, four or five years Oh, I don't know, maybe nearer six. Maybe, yeah. I think we but, had it know, before we moved into the next term for council, this term for council. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, you know, it was one of those where we were served the 215 notice and just for a bit of background, um, a few months before the 215 notice, which is under Local Government Act 1972, which transfers maintenance responsibility to the town or parish council of a closed churchyard, um, which can then be passed on to the district council. But, you know, a few months before that notice was served, a big retaining wall collapsed in the grounds of this grade two star um, church. And basically there's a house at the top of this 
what I would say is a dramatic kind of hill that this wall was retaining that looked precarious to us. And so then the transfer came through and it would make it our responsibility to then repair and kind of maintain the walls in good order, which would obviously have been a significant sum of money. And so after much work and uh, an effort and many meetings, uh, we got the notice withdrawn. And the church is now managing that with some support from us um, to try and get uh, a resolution. Even now, I think the wall still, I'm not sure it still sits as it did. I think it's been cleared away a bit, but certainly it hasn't been replaced. Mm-hmm. It still needs um it still needs to be um, maintained. So there we go, Town Mayor. You can use your term build the wall once again, <laughs> but this time in a slightly better way. <laughs> I was going to say it needs to be built, but no, I thought I'll say maintained. <laughs> but I think the thing, you know, and it really strikes me that I know that from, you know, this is my, my time to get my soapbox out. Um you know, it always surprises me that rules like this still exist, that you can close a churchyard and transfer responsibility to the town or parish or parish meeting if it's not um, kind of if it doesn't have a, a parish or town council or to the district council. Then if the parish or town or parish meeting don't want it um, and then it has to be maintained to the standard that the PCC want. And I know it was looked at, you know, 20 years ago and, you know, no changes were made since but it just frustrates me um that you know that that this can happen and with three months notice so in terms of trying to budget for that it's insane and and actually they say it's a 12-month customary period well everyone that i have dealt with the 12-month customary period hasn't applied and no matter what the kind of the guidance says you know, the local PCC doesn't need to listen to the guidance. It just has to go by the letter of the law. And so three months it is. And it is just so frustrating that this happens, especially during cost of living crisis and, and everyone's bills going up. And, you know, to a certain extent, I think, you know, from the church's perspective, you know, how is that going to work well for you in the community? I just don't, I just don't see it. And I know that people will say, you know, the People get to use the churchyard, and it kind of becomes a public space. Well, transfer ownership over to the uh, to the council under the Open Spaces Act, and then you can actually, in a meaningful way, maintain it instead of this forced process. Yeah. And you know, the PCC get to set the the kind of uh, the maintenance levels and, and everything else. And there have been instances where you know it was looked at in the House of Lords. So that's how long ago it was. And, you know, the church basically said, I'm sure that, you know, the local PCC will be sensible about this. And then they went ahead and and ordered the most expensive way of doing something in, you know, resurrecting. I think it it was some kind of uh, burial tomb Um, instead of the cheap option of just laying it down. And you just think it's crazy that this still happens. And if you want to get rid of it because you can't afford it, because, you know, it's been used for burials for the community, I understand all of that. Well, transfer it in freehold then as, uh, as ground and transfer it under the Open Spaces Act. And so therefore, you know, it, it's done and managed by the local authority for the good of the community on an ongoing basis. Um, I just, I find it so think- frustrating. I think the, th- the thing that I find most frustrating is that 
the diocese have a lot more finances than a town or a parish council. Well, certainly in our situation, they do. And I think it's totally unacceptable that And you said that the parish could pass it over to the district if they didn't want it. But I thought that the parish didn't have any choice that they have to take it unless they've got a really good case, then they can pass it over to the district. But your knowledge is better than mine. No, you can uh, you can just kick it up to the district if you want to, or if you don't Could have a you? district up to the county, you can kick up to the principal authority. Could you? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to. You don't even need a reason for it. So the like oh. the one we're looking at is a open church yard that's going to close. And without going into too much detail, I think that's the wrong decision for the community. Uh, anyway, the one we had was a closed churchyard, which was then being transferred. Yes. So they're slightly different. But in either instance, the parish or town or parish meeting, don't need a reason you could just kick up to the principal authority. But obviously the principal authority is going to put a special charge in all likelihood on the community and their way of doing it is going to be different to being able to get volunteers and making this a real good kind of community kind of led initiative. Instead, it's going to be, here's a guy with a lawnmower who's basically going to mow no matter what and and work to a certain spec. And it's going to be someone who generally doesn't care um, as much as, you know, volunteers would about it. And I just think it's such a missed opportunity to bring people into, you know, churchyards to do maintenance. I know it's easier said than done, but actually with a bit of planning and effort, you know, you often find that, especially after COVID, people are wanting to do things outside. You know, we have people who will come, will turn up, will do notice boards, will do all sorts for us. If you create an environment in which people feel that they can participate openly and without being kind of overly prescriptive in the way that you want things done, mm. I know this, and this is the this is the issue, isn't it? Well, it certainly is town now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know I know that I can get a little. Um, a little ranty about stuff like this. Um, <laughs> no, but no, say, he's not. He's not ranting at all. It's it's perfectly understandable, you know, and frustrating. Um, you know it, that it should be that that should be the situation. But if anybody's going to fix it, Thomas, it's going to be you. Well, we'll see where we go. Um, and so, tell me about your week, town mayor. I understand that, um, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this that you've had meetings about planning applications that have been delayed because of nutrient neutrality. Um, how's your week been? Yes, I did have a meeting, but we I can't tell you who I had my meeting with, but it's a very, very frustrated developer. And, um, you know, again, we, we've talked about NN and it's just so, so frustrating. I if, think um, it is a situation. Just let me jump in there and say, if you want to know more about NNN, then you can uh, listen back to a podcast that looks at nutrient neutrality, um, which uh, I think for, for ease is referred to as, uh, as NNN. NNN. And can I also just say how frustrating it is when you say, I can't tell you the details because that's kind of like saying, you know, you're not important enough to know. No, no, no. I didn't mean I can't tell you the details. I just can't say anything about the application without the developer's permission, can I? So we have to be careful. But no, it is a very, very frustrating situation. And, um, And again, you know, we're this far down the line and that developer just doesn't understand, you know, why we're in this situation. 
And to be honest, nobody sitting around the table that day understood the situation, even the MP. So, um, so yes, it's a really, really frustrating right. situation. You, so, so, so let me get this straight. You can't tell us about the developer, but you can, you know, I can't tell you what MP it was. <laughs> I can't tell you what MP it was. I don't feel you. <laughs> so it was uh, yes. So that was uh, one of my meetings that I had. But as well, a- I can tell you, actually. Um, just on the uh, on the matter of uh, you know, I, and I know what which site I think you're talking about. We had a call earlier that the metal roof of one of the buildings has uh, started to be blown off in the bad wind, and it's now <sighs> precariously pointing towards someone's house and trampoline. No. And so you can just imagine the level of concern <sighs> that's there. So you know these these small things. You know when developers get delayed, you know the sites don't look after themselves, and when you've spent millions on a site, I'm guessing. You know, you're not going to then want to spend, you know, thousands of pounds in maintaining buildings you're going to knock down eventually. Well, no. And this is the thing. You know, this developer was literally just a few weeks away from getting permission granted. Well, taking it to the committee and and it probably would have been approved because there was there was no um, reason not to approve it. And um, yeah, so he was just committee before. <laughs> oh, I know, but really, in reality, that it should have gone through. So um, you know, so everything was prepared. They were ready to go as soon as they got that permission, and now they are what seven months down the line, are still waiting for um, you know for this to be resolved. And again, no sign of it before March next year. But there we are. So that was uh, that was one of my meetings that I had this week. And then uh, what else have I been up to? Well, you know that I work um, two days a week um, up at the, the local hospital. So that's my Mondays and Tuesdays taken care of. Um, and as you said, Monday, you know, Monday, I go to work. I get home about 5.30, 7 o'clock, I'm out to a meeting most Monday nights. And then come along Wednesday, and that's normally my town council day. So I focus on um, the things that are happening. Um, you know, what we need to discuss throughout, you know, throughout fair, the, the you, next you say that's your You're saying that's your town council day, and I know that's when you try and do a lot of work. But I, I can't remember the last time that you and I didn't speak for a day. <laughs> every day there's even Saturdays and Sundays there's Absolutely. always something that you think about is but no in all seriousness and I know that we should never we shouldn't talk work on a weekend but sometimes you know you have to think well if I don't talk about this now then it'll be forgotten about and then by the time we get around to talking about it then it'll be weeks down the line so and there's I, always I say for, for any councillors out there uh don't do it okay Put the phone back down. It's a Saturday. It's a Sunday. Yeah. Step away from the phone. Yeah. But to be honest with you, with with um, and I think probably some people will feel this way. I dread coming in on Monday morning, so I do ask you: Can you please drop it to me as you remember it, so that I'm not dreading what's going to be sitting in my inbox on a Monday morning? Because I would rather, if I can, deal with things on the weekend. In five minutes, it's better doing that than taking two hours to sort it out on a Monday morning. 
But this is the thing, and it's not whenever I I text or we we speak, it's not to resolve the issue there and then. It's literally just to say, you know, this this could pop up or this could happen, or or can we can we look at this on on Monday morning? Um, it's you know, it's it's not that oh you have to actually go and, and fix it. It's just telling you, you know, this could be a problem on the Monday morning. But no, it, I think again, you, work you know, on a Monday. yeah. Uh, yeah, Mondays and Tuesdays. Days. If you don't get off your chest on the weekend, then it's going to be a, a while before you're able to, especially before Monday meeting. But I yeah. think, um, you know, we're all looking forward to the time. Um, although you're stepping down at the next election, I'm still not 100% You're looking forward to that, actually. are you? Well, no, I'm, <laughs> let me finish my sentence. Jesus, jumping down my foot. Just, just no, to get your weekends <laughs> back again. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I mean it opposite, which is actually, you know, I'm not convinced that you are going to step down um, oh, I am. at the uh, at the next election. But if you if you do, it's such a shame that you step down before you retire. And I know going by your photo, you're about 40 years off retirement. Um, but I think that then when you have Mondays and Tuesdays to dedicate yourself to public service, blimey, you know, the community would not have known what hit it. <laughs> and then you have your weekends back again. So uh, <laughs> I don't think that will ever happen because to be honest, if it isn't, if it isn't you, um, Generally, I, I, you know, I, I talk a lot of local government over the weekends, um, as I do during the week, and that's mainly because mm. I don't know where to draw the line because I enjoy it so much. But this is the thing, you know, is and again, I wouldn't, I would never, if it, if it was a, if we had a new CEO, I would never in a million years dream about calling him over the weekend and saying, oh, can you just be aware of this or just be aware of that? I would never do it to any of the other officers. Um, so it's a case of, um, you know, I think it's that just we because know you each know other. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> you're obsessed with it so you've made me obsessed with it so um and again you know that's this is you're right is is me i can't imagine that there are many other councillors who would see something on a weekend and think need to tell thomas that so um so yeah apologies if it's uh if it's a pain but uh, that's just how things are (laughs) nothing like Um, being made to feel important trust me Um. (laughs) (laughs) yeah you'll miss it and uh, yeah, so that's um, so Mondays and Tuesdays are normally taken up with uh, my work, and um, then Wednesdays is normally town council. But then saying that, you know, it's it's again those days are, are fairly busy. It's um, we used to sit down. We we even used to go and have lunch. Do you remember those days? We don't yeah. even seem to get the time to do that anymore. No, we don't. It's- I mean, with the you know, I know that you go down on occasion and and will help with you know, the community kind of events we do, be it dementia or single or other things which you try and get time to do, but you're often swayed off with other council business that prevents you. And I know that equally, you know, on a Thursday, we've done kind of grow your community stuff. And and then we're looking at kind of supporting kind of in the, in the coming weeks, kind of, you know, the, veterans kind of support that we're looking at doing we're also doing warm rooms i I mean really it's an endless list of the diversity of services that councils now are kind of required to step up to and I, i always think you know basically it is a bit of a you know, freefall in terms of services that towns and parishes are sometimes expected to provide because you kind of cover what 
you know, traditionally may have been done by the, you know, going back to the local church, the local church groups, local voluntary groups. And actually now I think town and parish councils are taking far more of that on themselves and leading in the community as opposed to being a kind of passive enabler, which, you know, I think used to be the way that that local government was done. Yeah. Well, I think that's how we are doing it in Thorpe. I don't know how other councils are, are doing it. I don't know that they are so involved in the community as, as we are. But to me, if you if you take that, you know, you, you decide that's the, the line that you're going to take and you're going to go down that route to be a councillor and you're going to be, you know, thinking about your community, then you should be involved in all those things. But with that, it brings a lot more work. It's a lot more work for the officers. And, um, and, and I don't mean this nasty in any way, but you don't always get the thanks for it as well. It then turns into an assumption that it's a town council's Absolutely. role to do these things. It's what and, um, I always used yeah. to say, doing things for my grandparents, you know, the more you do, the more they expect. And I think <laughs> that is not just a rule for my grandparents. I think it's just a general rule for anyone. The more you do, yes, the more it, people it is, expect. Yes, it's, it's, um, it's just life. It's just what the human nature thinks that, um, you know, if somebody's, somebody's going to do it for me, then they need to keep on doing it. And um, and then it's not until that service is, has gone that, that you realise that, oh, yeah, maybe I've got to start thinking about things for myself now. But, I sound like a really um, bad grandson now, don't I? Yes, um, you do. You're, <laughs> you're really naughty. So, uh, well, no, and, and but it is. And, and again, you know, you, you start off, even doing those things, you start off thinking, oh, yeah, I'll help them out. And then whenever it then gets to, well, you're helping them out every week and then you're helping them out every other day. And you think, but I've got other things that I need to be doing in life. And um, and then it does get to more of a burden than it is being helpful. But um, but that's how we go. But yes, so there's there's those side of things. I've got the ta- – and again, you know, every single day you have to look at your emails. You get emails from the town council. You get emails from uh, the district council. There's other organisations that you're involved with. And, um, and again, you, you know, they, they take up time. You have, I have a family as well <clears throat> and I've got two beautiful little do grandchildren. Do they see much of you? Do they, do they see a lot of you down there? <laughs> you sound as though you think that they might not want to see me, Thomas. <laughs> no, I don't see, I don't see enough of them to be perfectly honest. Definitely don't see them on a Monday and a Tuesday and, um, and Wednesday. So I see, my little granddaughter who's at school, I see her on Saturdays now, but maybe just for an hour or so. And um, and then maybe we might have Sunday lunch, but there's not enough hours in the week really to, to be able to give the time that you want to give to your family and to the district council, to the town council, and then all the other organisations. The other thing that I do on a, a monthly basis, I do an article for the Parish Life the church, the local church, they have a parish magazine that goes out once a month and they have a town mayor's um, column. So each month I have to to try to think of something that's going to be of interest to the community. Um, if there's anything that we're doing as a town council that we can we can put through the parish life that's going to um, to make people more aware of what's going on. But it's, um, again, you know, it's a challenge to to come up 
with something that's going to be of interest to to all of the community. And um, the other thing that I've started doing, and I have a really good friend who helps me with this one, and it's um, the I'm everybody knows I'm a conservative, so um, I'm part I'm the secretary of the local branch, the Thoughts and Andrew branch. So I edit a newsletter that goes out once a month, and as I said, I get help with that from a really good friend. So um, so again, that's all time time consuming. We've got um, a dinner this weekend. And um, so again, helping to organize that takes up time. And then just I got doing day. Have I got my apron for the dinner? I'm not cooking it, thank goodness. So everybody will be safe. But um, yeah, it's, and it is, you know, it's, you then have to do shopping and you have to do cleaning and all those other mundane things. But uh, are you, you know, telling me it, that you're a conservative without a cleaner? <laughs> I would have to do the cleaning for the cleaner. <laughs> and Kevin, Kevin often, sometimes I have someone who comes in and helps me a little bit. Oh, here we and, go. Um, here comes the real answer. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband says, Why are you cleaning? You've got the cleaner coming in in a little while. I have to tidy so, up. You can't so, clean if it's not tidied up. So let me just check. In the space of 30 seconds, we've gone from I do the cleaning to, well, I don't have a cleaner because I have to clean beforehand to I do clean beforehand and I have a cleaner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not me, so. <laughs> I don't have a cleaner all the time. <laughs> Only well, on special occasions. Sure. I mean, uh, talking of, of what may happen before the, uh, before the next podcast, just to go back to you know, you're saying that, you know, we've got the Christmas event beforehand. That does involve also me getting on the roof of your town hall to finish yes. doing the Christmas lights. And a big shout out to Jason, who helps hold the ladder um, as yes. I kind of scale the tiles, which I have done for years. And I, I always say, don't worry, I have my own insurance for it. Um, mm. But I just do it because it's a nice good thing to volunteer and do and so if i drop off the roof i won't be recording the next one and <laughs> uh, so if you hear me next time i have survived and obviously we're also um kind of doing other kind of community bits and pieces leading up to uh christmas and a big shout out to uh also rachel nebby who i think are in the process of organizing the town mayor's ball for next year for her oh, yes charity. we've got that coming as well haven't we and so that's yes, something else ball. you can plug in the next few uh next yes. few episodes this is it once you've won, done one event you then move on to another there's always something this is it you know you it's like i said you look at your diary on a sunday night and you think oh there's not too much in there but by the time you get to the next saturday there's been a lot added into it that uh, just Absolutely. randomly comes along. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a busy life. Well, we're, we're, but we wouldn't we're change it to, at the moment. Well, I'm glad you wouldn't. Well, you bloody well would change it because you're not standing for election. <laughs> <laughs> How can you say, I wouldn't I change said, it? Oh, yeah. I no. said, at the moment, <laughs> <laughs> I will be changing it, trust me. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Politis. Please like and subscribe to get your weekly edition. You can suggest topics by emailing podcast at polytisconsulting.co.uk. See you next week.